We're excited to announce our new initiative, the Women in IT Club Conference, a conference designed to celebrate the women within our industry and the innovations they're driving to deliver the wider IoT vision. The Women in IoT Club Conference invites everyone facilitating innovation in the industry to come together for the same common interest. From founders and diversity and inclusion experts to engineers and researchers, the list is endless. We are still welcoming speakers and any women who would like to participate to share their We'd love to hear from you. To find out more details about the conference, please check out the link in the comments below. Welcome to the IoT Podcast Show. I'm your host, Tom White. Today, this is part two of the Nordic Semiconductor Special, where we'll be talking about short-range technologies and applications for IoT in general. Today, we're joined by Svein Egel Nielsen, and Pau Kastens. Svein is the CTO and Pau is the Technical Marketing Manager at Nordic. Welcome to the IoT Podcast Show. Thank you for coming on, guys. Thank you for inviting, Tom. It's great to be on. Yeah, thank you, Tom. It's nice to be here. Excellent. Uh, and this is actually part two of the podcast. So we had Martin Lazand on the first uh, Nordic Semiconductor Podcast Show, and that was really, really interesting. Um, it's fine if you could give a little bit about your background to some of our listeners and explain how you got into this world and, and your position at Nordic, that would be great. Yeah, so uh, I, uh, I've been working for Nordic Semiconductor since uh, 2001 uh, in different roles. I've been in sales, marketing, operations, uh, and now most recently in the last 10 years, I'm responsible for all development activities at Nordic. I'm the CTO and uh, Executive Vice President of R&D also deal with the strategy aspects of our business. So uh, I've been uh, doing uh, IoT, or what we used to talk about, more like Internet of uh, My Things, for many, many years. And it's so great to be on the show, Tom, because this is something I'm actually a little bit passionate about talking about. So thank you for inviting me again. Great. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be here. And Paul, how about yourself? Yeah, so I've been with Norway a little bit shorter. 2015, but I've been working in the semiconductor business for uh, in the embedded space since uh, two, uh, 1998. So a bit of a track record and done a lot of different things. I started out doing engineering work and moved over to working with sales, doing marketing. Uh, and now I'm working with, uh, with the product management team where we're looking at uh, long-term product strategies, what we're going to do, uh, the products, but also I'm taking care of a lot of the um, the, the outbound things that we do, trade shows, uh, tours where we go talk to customers and so on, you know. So uh, a little bit of different things, you know, to to, yeah. to put your fingers on. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, I mean, well, we're, I think we all share a passion clearly for IoT and have been around since we called it M2M and before that, but, you know, and, and, and a long, long time ago. So uh, what, what we're here to talk about today is what Nordic are doing in short range technologies specifically. And I'm really keen to learn a little bit more about that. If we could dive straight in and it's fine, if you could give a, a, an overview and just explain to me why Nordic entered this market and where are you guys up to right now with this? I think that we always were in the IoT market. We were one of those early ones that did things before it was even called the IoT. You know, we always been focused on doing ultra low power wireless connectivity. Uh, and as we grown bigger, uh, the portfolio of connectivity standards we support, it just keep growing. So we were always in the space and uh, 
and we targeted different applications. I think one of the things that is important with the IOTs is low power. Uh, typically, we talk about sensors or some data that's been analyzed in the field, maybe battery operated, and, and some of the use cases that has emerged in the last years wasn't possible unless you could actually get to a power consumption and battery sizes that made sense. So, uh, yeah, we've been in the IoT space for, for many years uh, and been a staunch defender and uh, advocate for the importance of IoT. And I think to that point is that uh, I feel in the last couple of years, we got a little bit of redemption because people thought that the IoT was dead and it was all about AI and big compute and cloud. But it turns out that the IoT is by far dead. It is really real and it's you know exploding in terms of volumes and applicability. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and thank you so much for that. I, I think you're right. You know, pe people have mentioned in the past about, you know, well, where are all these IoT devices? And what is what is the issue that we've got, uh, you know, with consolidation, right, of different vendors and a different um, uh, uniform ways of, of bringing things together? We had Rob Tiffany on from from Ericsson in the past on, on the show, and, and he talked about a common understanding and getting past some of these barriers. So, I 100% agree, you know, this is far, far, far from over, you know, we're barely scraping at the service. So um, I'm glad we're in, uh, in agreement on that. Pow, Pow, anything to add on what Svein has mentioned there from, from your standpoint in the business? No, I think you covered it quite well. It's, uh, it is something that we are very passionate about and, and we have been driving things forward for a long time. Uh, and we have been doing things that when we did it, people didn't see why we, we, we decided to go with this. We started out very early looking for IPv6 support, for instance. Now you can see then the matter is coming out IPv6 uh, based, uh, basically because it's a scalable solution. And we have always been looking forward to, to try to enable our, our customers, our users, you know, to to be able to, to be a step ahead so that when the how to say when the when the maturity comes when the market is is there they are already in a good place if you know what i mean to to be able yeah. to get up and running quickly absolutely and in terms of applications so real world examples and this is where we try to go on the podcast so you know getting this out there to to, to the man on the street you know what type of applications are Nordic chips working within can you talk about you know wearables for instance and other areas it's a bit difficult to say, you know, the, the problem is we go everywhere because we make, uh, how to say, we make very flexible devices that can be used in, the, in a lot of different cases. So you will find the same device in a variable you will find as you will find in a, a home automation system, uh, maybe running different radio standards and everything. So from our point uh, of view, we, we are always looking to, to try to make the devices so they can be used widely because it makes it easier to, uh, how to say, to, for, for our customers to pick a, a, a platform to stay on. So we have a lot of, of, of customers who diversify on what they're doing. They're not maybe not only doing variables, they may be doing other things as well. And being able to use the same kind of hardware or at least the same software framework when they're working with it helps them accelerate the design. And, and because of that, we, we end up on a lot of things. Um, and one of the things we are doing a lot of business with is wearables. We go in a lot of activity trackers and so on. Uh, we have uh, we have a wide range of devices from very small ones to also quite more larger ones and more complex with when it comes to cord size and, 
and functionality. Uh, and because of this, we see that the smaller ones go into very simple variables, but they also go in as, how to say, the radio part in, in, in the, the really high-end solutions, uh, while the larger devices go into uh, more advanced activity trackers where you need more functionality, you want displays and so on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, me I mentioned this to your colleague on, on the first part of the show, but I'm a bit I'm a big fan. So uh, I've got an aura ring on at the moment as well. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, uh, I think I, I can't quite remember the, the chipset uh, that, that's actually in this, but um, I, m I mentioned it prior. And uh, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's fantastic. And it's great to see. And I think, you know, these, these are the types of things that consumers are wanting at the moment. Obviously, we had the big, you know, Apple event that came uh, yesterday, and that's transpiring a lot more um, products and services around fitness, healthcare, monitoring, tracking, medical, etc. Um, and it, and it, and it's so nice to see that this technology is advancing to the point that we can do it with lower power, energy harvesting, which is a big uh, topic that people are talking about at the moment. Um, and it's really exciting to see where things are going to go in the future. It's fine if I could ask you in particular, you uh, you mentioned obviously you're very passionate about IoT and uh, clearly a CTO of this business, a, a, a wealth and depth of knowledge. From a short range perspective, what other applications could be out there that perhaps aren't there at the moment? What, you know, where where do you see this going and, and, and what other things, uh, you know, do, are you passionate about? So I think that the first answer to your first question is I think it can go pretty much everywhere. And I continue to be surprised about where we end up being in what kind of devices, I have to say. You know, sometimes the most fun thing about our business is seeing that oops, someone is using us for something, right? That we never thought. Uh, and I can mention some very weird examples of, you know, things that are being used for, and that's cool. But the things that I think is really good, and which I think the COVID situation uh, gave us a, a renaissance of IoT in many ways. I talked about IoT, I talked about the quiet uh, IoT revolution, but, but the, the COVID-19 pandemic really showed that how you solve big, big problems with IoT, you know. We've seen, you know, medical uh, devices or, or healthcare devices being remotely monitoring patients in different sectors. That's becoming increasingly important, both in terms of improving the outcomes, but reducing cost of healthcare as well, right? So some things I've been passionate for many years is just simple things like blood glucose monitoring, right? Diabetes is a big problem. And, uh, you know, be able to monitor your blood glucose continuously changes the outcomes of your treatment and it changes your life in many ways if you do that. You know, and I have friends that has kids with now wear continuously glucose monitoring and they feel so much more comfortable. That's a huge thing for us. And that's an IoT product as well. You're measuring people's uh, status every given time and you can treat much better also the thing is i think i'm very passionate about which i think when we're talking about the the, the challenge we have in the world with with uh, with climate change you know we can you can tell people to stop eating meat and stop driving cars and all those things but historically speaking it doesn't work huh? i think the only way we will and the way we need to get to is where we use technology in, in sophisticated manage to reduce the energy consumption, make things smarter, improve processes, reduce waste, and all these things. And, and that's happening in a big scale in many, many things. You monitor energy levels to reduce your grid, you shut down power plants, or you, you figure out how to deal with garbage. That's happening so many places across the world. And I, I strongly believe that if, you, if, you, if we gotta get to a better place, IoT is vital. Yeah, yeah. 100% in agreement. 
one of the best things for me about IoT and, and, and a little bit about my background. So I spent a lot of time in the pay TV industry, set top boxes, integration, and um, no matter which way you cut it, right? It, it's just content, it's just media, and it's just TV, right? But whereas IoT, we're talking about the blood glucose example, it's fantastic, you know? It's enriching people's lives, it's, it's helping, it's, it's really making a difference. Um, you guys might not be aware, but on a previous show, we had, we had a company in Germany called Dryad that are creating sensors for early detection of wildfires mm -hmm. in the Australian outback. Can it get any better, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's why, that's why you know, we talk about a renaissance of IoT, as you say, during the pandemic, um, proximity sensors to people, right? Yeah. One, one example. It became um, so evident. It became so evident. Yeah. Although the technology was there, development was ongoing, but it somehow just kick-started a lot of it and got a lot of acceleration, right? Mm. Suddenly things that seems to be impossible before, especially in kinds of healthcare system, which were notoriously bad at adopting new technology. So suddenly they didn't have a choice. And overnight you were able to go to the doctor without seeing the doctor kind of thing, right? Mm. It just, wow, what happened here? The technology was there, now it, now it just accelerates because through this pandemic, we've seen how much value it brings. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I think Nordic as a business is, is synonymous and for those that, know the company are doing incredibly well very very nice culture hardware great products etc where is it going for nordic in terms of what are the, what are the other areas that you might be focusing on or, or, or going into in the future because you really are at the cutting edge when it comes to some of the the chips and and, and the devices and applications that your customers are using i want to take a stab at that just on a big macro level of course when we look at how we're going to expand our business, is 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 trying to to leverage what our existing capabilities are best at. Yeah. So right now we're adding new uh, connectivity. We're 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 uh, working on Wi-Fi as a new connectivity for Nordic, which is going to come later. Uh, we are broadening our portfolio of complementary devices to power management ICs because they fit very well with the rest of what we do. And we also just recently launched our services business, a cloud service, to better serve the devices themselves. And those three things are examples of how, how we, we broaden the scope. In the end of the day, I think we're gonna provide uh, the solutions that the customer needs uh, and keep adding from the silicon through modules to all the software we provide to some kind of link to the cloud. So it all hangs together. And the end of the day, of course, it's all about having the customer only needing to focus on their application and their value add and we'll take care of the rest. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think it's customer centric, driven by what customers need, what the market is and, and where we're going in the future. And that's, that's, a, that's a great macro overview of that's fine. Um, Power, if, if I could ask you uh, yep. from, a, from a technical marketing point of view, uh, do, do you ever find um, it's it, it sometimes di uh, difficult to get across some of the uh, benefits of, 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 of the hardware and where we're going to, to the wider audience. Are there any uh, pitfalls to this or, or misunderstandings about what IoT and, and sensors can do? Um, because we, we talk about the benefits a lot, but sometimes do people need to be convinced? Uh, in some cases, yes. I would say it does happen that customers are a little bit uncertain about where to go with it. Um, I think 
it's usually not that difficult to be able to convince them about the value uh, with it. It's, uh, but as always, you know, they will also always be able to, they must always be able to, to be able to find out that they have a business model that makes sense, you know, that mm-hmm. uh, you will be able to collect a lot of data when you're doing IoT, for instance, if you can't do anything valuable with the data, they, they don't have the value. But uh, normally, no, it's it's not too difficult to, to be able to convince them that that yeah. this is something they, they 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 will benefit from. But we're also seeing that how do I say convenience factor and being able able to ensure that systems are running and so on is and running reliably is is very often a how to say a a a good uh, how to say point to to put the pressure on to make sure that uh, yeah this is a, this will be worthwhile for us and we we, we should adopt this kind of. Way. Yeah, approach to to get things working. Yeah, it's, it's interesting you should just say that actually because it's the data that's collected from the hardware which is so important. And where we've seen in the past is some businesses are great when it comes to actually the real world applications and what the consumer might be using this application application for. But what are you doing with the data? You know, do you have data engineers on board? Data scientists? Are, are you working with that? Um, it's fine if I could come back to you. Do, do you think more could be done from a data collection, collection and harvesting point of view? Um, because the, the, the sheer amount of data is incredible, isn't it? If you think about it. Well, you know, one thing that uh, sort of our standard answer to that is, okay, you got to process as much data as possible in the node to reduce the amount of wireless traffic there for reducing power consumption and so forth. Right? So, so we spend time now on looking at uh, our portfolio device right now collaborating with edge impulse on ML, tiny ML on our devices to run sophisticated new things. And that's all about getting the grasp of all this data. Right? Uh, in fact, when we look at our roadmap also from from uh, services side, you know, the question about uh, will you manage the data that the customers collect, uh, the people collect as well. And that's something we're looking into. Uh, Yes, there is always these, the, the legal side of things becomes more involved mm. when you do that. But it's again, it's about providing a solution for customers. So again, so they can focus on what matters for them. And yeah. that may not be, you know, moving the data to somewhere, you know, they care about the value of the data itself and what decisions are being made based on that data. Yeah, yeah. And I think you touched on a very important point there, being able to do more on the on the edge in the devices itself in some cases may make it a lot easier to get through these kind of legal hurdles because the less data you stream up, the, the, the less issues you will have with privacy rights and uh, privacy rules and so on. It will be easier to pass them because you are, how to say, sharing less. And so I, I think there will, there will be different approaches going forward from, from, from customers, you know, that some will stream a lot of data, but some of them will move more and more of the processing to the devices itself and only share what's uh, what's needed, you know, to be able to improve the services or to improve the product or to detect if the product needs to be updated. And so mm. it's, it's interesting you should mention Edge Impulse because Jan Yongbin was a previous guest, someone that I know. Okay. What they're doing in machine learning and embedded is, is fantastic, right? Um, and a really, really nice bunch of guys. Um, and, and, and I would say, Pow, you're right, you know, the more at the edge that we can do this, the less data is being sent back up um and and have those those legal issues right there's you know we have the gdpr act we have lots of issues containing the sensitivity of people's data and the security of that um i i I also i also think that if we keep in mind that this data should be used 
for good, right? The enrichment of people's lives. And, and, and we have that view that we're not holding on to it or we're not doing anything unscrupulous with it. Or, well, we shouldn't be. Um, then, and then on the whole, it should be okay. But I think this leads really, really nicely onto a favorite subject of mine, which is always the security of IoT. So a lot of my background was in security and by design processes, right? Um, I'd be interested to know your view on that, fine about the importance of not gold plating security as an afterthought and it being from the ground up and, and being minded of this as we, you know, advance this ecosystem. I have a couple of you, uh, many views on this, but let me tell you one thing. So if I go back a couple of years in time, right, when we tried to invest in security, we didn't get a lot of response from customers thinking that this is great. We don't want to spend any money. right? Mm -hmm. And uh, that was a few years ago that uh, it was very hard for someone to prove the value of their products being secure and non-secure. You can go on Amazon and pick out two webcams, one is secure and one is non-secure. You wouldn't know by looking at them. Yeah. And the, the unsecured one could just as well be a big fancy brand name you heard about versus some kind of no name from somewhere else, right? So you didn't know. So if you don't know if you're gonna pick that or that, why you want everything to spend a few extra bucks to make it happen? Now, there's been a lot of initiatives we're trying to sort of get to the, the security architecture, the PSA initiative, the platform security architecture by ARM, to sort of get the energy star marking for security. And I think unless you get to that, you can actually show that your product is more secure and therefore I'm going to pick your product in the store versus the other ones. It's hard for the, the, some companies to justify it. But that's one element which I talked a lot about before. What we've also seen in the last couple of years is the requirements of security has gone exponential, right? And uh, whereas we would have seen it during a normal design cycles before, yeah, we implement our, our, our always get better and all stuff. It just accelerates like a rocket right now. And, and the attention on it is much bigger. So from our end, we need to provide better solutions on the hardware and the software side because it becomes more natural. And that's driven, uh, I think, across the industry right now. But uh, again, I want to get back to that energy star marking. You know, at the one point when you get there, I think some of the question about whether it's secure or not and what we're going to do is it's going to be solved. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think, um, I think from a user point of view, just to go back to your earlier comment there, it's, it, 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 it's, it's an education process of the importance of security, it being the weakest link in the chain of the network, right? So you can buy two cameras, one's cheaper than the other, you don't look at it because you don't really care. But people don't understand that, you know, by getting into your security camera, you're getting into the network, you're getting into your laptop, you, you know, and so on and so forth. So I think I think that there's a process of that. And, 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 and making sure that this is important, and that people are aware of that. Do you do you? Um, do you think sometimes that people maybe are aware, but they're more driven by the cost, right? So if it was slightly more expensive, then then hey, it's okay if I might get hacked. But who wants to see, you know, who wants to see my living room anyway, you know? I don't think it's the consumer's fault. It's the companies who make the products, mm. because again, they're not going to tell you who's secure and non-secure. Sometimes you won't see. You think that the hundred dollar version is more secure than the seventy-five? It may not be the case, right? So yeah, the manufacturers are saving some cost because they don't really care that much about it. But I think, again, if you get a, a security rating on devices, it will change. If you think about what happened with appliances, right? At some point, you, I can't remember, the European Union has these codes and A and Ds and all that kind of stuff. Didn't take very long until all the bad stuff didn't even exist. Become, yeah. be, became a natural thing that you, if you didn't have it, you aren't selling anything. So I think we, we need to get there, but it's very hard for a consumer to understand whether or not the product they're getting getting involved in is secure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 
And you can see it from, from our side as well. When you're looking at the devices we've done in the last few years, uh, the last generations we've done on the short-range side, and uh, the, the, the 51, the first integrated Bluetooth SOC that we did, we were complying with all of the things you needed to do for, for doing Bluetooth. We were able to do encrypted links and everything. Uh, we went to the 52 series. We added now a crypto cell, so we have hardware acceleration for doing cryptography, uh, making it faster and more secure. Uh, and then we came with the 53 series, where we also went to the Cortex M33, where we have the uh, the trust zone and so on. And this is where you can see where we are upping the game continuously. And as, as Venegel said, we are looking at the PSA rating. What can we what can we qualify the devices to? We have a uh, we were among the first one to get the PSA one level. We are going to uh, PSA two level on, on, on the devices today. Um, and not only are we looking at it on the hardware side, but also we're looking very hard on the software side for, for how to get this done. Because we see the same thing as you said, you can't bolt the security on at the end of the process. So we're trying to make sure that the customers who, who do develop, they have the opportunity to start off with, uh, with an example, for instance, that has the security built in, that has set it up, you have a good framework to get going. Uh, and it's it's about time and money, because if you need less time to, to build the product in a secure manner, it's more likely that you will you will opt for that step, that you will, that you will, will pull it in, you know. Uh, also, if it works as well or as easy to use as as the non-secure version, because this has been, how to say, part of the the thing we you have seen in the past is that people say, yeah, but if I now I have to remember a password and so on, you know, it's it's more difficult than if I don't have to do it. But yeah, mm. the, the it's added to, to to make it more secure, and if the if the burden to make the security work becomes too high, then people may opt out from it. We try to make it easier to to just keep it in, if you know what I mean. To, you don't yeah. you don't necessarily see it in the same way as as extra work or uh, lower user uh, usability by the customer and so on. You know? And it, yeah. pe people will pick it up because yeah, it doesn't cost anything and it's it's, it's good. It makes the product. Mm. Better. Yeah. Mm. I c I completely agree with, with both of you on that. I think the pro the problem that you have from a a user consumer point of view is um, fatigue, password fatigue, yeah. right? So people have policies, don't they? You, you know, in companies, sometimes you need to change your password every two weeks, every three weeks. But you hear stories of people writing down their password on a post-it note <laughs> uh, because they can't remember the password because they're having to change it so often. I think it needs yeah. to be timely, it needs to be relevant, and needs to stress the importance of that um, and, and to enable that to happen, um, because otherwise you do. And I think we we can all admit it, right? Do, I don't have a unique password for every single device and login. You know, I, I like to think I've got a good memory, but there's no way that I could remember all of that. And therefore, I'd have to write it down. And, you know, it's, it's, it's academic, and it just seems defeatist. But it's nice to hear that as you said, that continual advancement from Nordic's point of view about security, PSA, first to get PSA one, all the way up, and it being a progressional activity is is is, is lovely because, as, as 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 you're saying, sometimes people don't see security as this sexy kind of valuable thing. They kind of see it as a bit of an afterthought. Well, we'll do something on it. Um, whereas really, I think yes, it comes down to the consumers. Yes, it comes down to the customers. Um, but it's 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 having it built in by design early point and not as an afterthought but as an in an integral part to the building of that to start with um so that's great to hit 
on on that note, so I'm curious. So uh, Nordic being involved short range for a long, long time. We spoke to Martin talking about long range. Uh, where you know where, what what can we expect to see in the in the short to medium term, and 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 what where where's where's you know Nordic heading? I know that you've recently opened a new office, etc. I mean, bigger, better, faster, lower power, sort of more. <laughs> All of the above and more, yeah? Yeah, power. You know, I'm a little hell-bent on this uh, big trends, right? So the devices of tomorrow has got to use less power per whatever it does than today's, right? Uh, radio's got to be better. Uh, the uh, processing power's got to increase, right? It's going to be more memory for people to write their code. There's going to be more features on the devices than there used to be. It's going to be better security. That's the overall theme, right? And, uh, and as I think if you saw seen the announcement, as I said earlier, sort of short range addressing, you know, multiple protocols in the short range space that be Bluetooth, low energy, of course, uh, Zigbee, Tread. Now Matter is very important for us, for the smart home and these ecosystems. Uh, Wi-Fi comes on board eventually when we, when we are ready with some development there. Then that, that's where it goes, right? Faster, better all the time uh, i think you'll see uh, from a from a software point of view more functionality more things it just it just keeps adding to it and sometimes i feel like aren't the customers going to do anything because we're writing all the software for them but again it's back to that point is letting them focus on what's valued and we will take care of the mundane and the more plumbing that needs to be there and be robust paul you probably have some more to add on this Oh, I think uh, I think you summed it up quite nicely. I think, uh, but I do believe that, uh, that the f the first couple of big things that are coming from our side is uh, is going with with, uh, with matter for the for home automation. We believe this is going to be driving a lot of of new activity in this segment, and it's basically because, as you said, it's it's a it's a standard that will allow people to. To plug more things together and i think uh, one of the things that make me very positive about this one is that we have a lot of the a lot of the big companies are, are backing it so mm. it doesn't end up as another standard supported by some of the vendors it's a standard of getting supported by all of them and we, we've been in matter for quite some time we're seeing this as a, as a as a good thing and we are going to be showcasing it as soon as as, as we have the opportunity to to do that at, at live events and so on uh, and the second thing that is, I think, is coming as well, and that's going to probably open up a lot of new opportunities, is is Bluetooth low energy audio. Uh, so everybody uses Bluetooth uh, audio all the time now, but the fact that we now can do, or soon will be able to do Bluetooth uh, audio on on Bluetooth low energy devices, it will be improving the power consumption and all these kind of things for headsets and and earbuds and and all these things. But it's probably also going to uh, open up a lot of, of new areas of products that we haven't even looked at, because you will be able to have a small device that can do, for instance, sensors and whatever, uh, with incredibly low power consumption, and then gear up and do audio uh, in a way that you haven't been able to do before. Mm -hmm. uh, so I would, uh, I, I, I'm just waiting for the first guy who comes up with a, with a brilliant solution uh, for some kind of funny toy or whatever, you know, where they utilize this kind of functionality in a way that we didn't foresee when 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 the spec was being written. 
And this yeah. is what always happens when you when you come with this new enabling functionality. Somebody dreams up a new product that you didn't even think about, and yeah, it's good and it uh, it's funny and it sells a lot. You know. Yeah. Thank thank you so much. It's a great overview, and I, I really I really appreciate the answers. I think that the Bluetooth low energy audio is 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 a bit of a game changer. Um, you know. It's fine, as you said, bigger, faster, stronger, better. Uh, I think I think I think I share the same. I think for me, it's renewables, right? How much can we do this with renewable materials as well, right? I think that's a big thing. The lower power and the energy harvesting uh, is something that I'm really keen on, and 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 you know, really uh, kind of uh, passionate to see in the future because I think some of the some of the. Um, uh, the the issues that we have with with IoT devices that are maybe put out in the field is that the battery life is maybe maybe what two three four years right but there are going to be use cases whereby we won't be able to redeploy that so the energy harvesting aspect for me is is really really useful. Um, I want to echo that just before we drop is that energy yeah. is important and it is really enabled by the underlying devices that solves the problem being low power enough to be able to find in, in some source of energy that that does it. Now we're talking about short range today, but you know I've seen energy harvesting solutions for long range as well over LTM, for instance, which is very, 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 very cool. And I didn't really thought that was we were going to see because that's another level of power consumption, right? In terms of cellular, yeah. but yeah. we've seen those who are utilizing uh, technologies energy harvesting technologies, fully self-powered devices uh, running cellular too. In my mind, that is it's a logical thing because it's even further away. It's even more expensive to move out and change the battery, you know? Yeah. And uh, and that's the thing, you know, is the, I think the guy said they replaced the lighting in, 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 uh, in the uh, atrium in our building. And I, somebody said the cost was around 50, uh, no, 5,000 euros to do it because they had to get guys in with the lift because it's four stories tall, you know. They spent a week doing it. It's really expensive. It's like the cost of the light bulb is nothing compared to the cost of, of maintaining it. And I think these are the kind of, of application spaces that will open up when you yeah. when you can say that, yeah, place it and it's, it, it's gone. And don't even think about it. It will run for the next 10 years. Yeah. Precisely, lots lot, lot of opportunities that suddenly mm. materializes. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, guys, I think we could probably talk all yeah. afternoon about these things, but uh, I'm so appreciative of both of you of coming on to the show today. It's been great having you on, and, and especially this two-part special with Nordic Semiconductors. So, uh, thank you very much, uh, Spina Girl. Thank you, Paul. Um, for our listeners and viewers, if they're on YouTube. Paul, where can we find out more about Nordic Semiconductor? I think if, if, if you're not familiar with what we do, I think the first place to go to is our website. We are on all of the social media, uh, of course. So you will find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, YouTube. You will also find us on Instagram and so on. You know, But if you want to make sure you, you find the right one, go to our website, nordicsemi.com, uh, and you'll be able to go there. If you're looking for, for technical content and so on, we have our own uh, fair for for the developers called devzone um which is extremely popular this is a lot of people a lot of activity there uh, we do blogs there all this kind of of uh, content for for getting people up and running um and of course we usually go to all the big trade shows you know so as soon as those open again we will be we will be around <laughs> good, um, good but um 
for sure check us out on on social media. It's lots of activity on on all our channels. Fantastic. Thank you once again for coming on the show. Thank you for having us. As usual, don't forget to subscribe, share, like, and get involved in the conversation on the podcast. We're on YouTube, Spotify, all the major formats. Just search for the IoT podcast. We are the number one IoT podcast in the world with many, many more episodes coming out. And until the next time, cheers.